0: is going on, everyone. The date is April 20th, 2011. You are listening to Free Admission at FreeAdmissionFR.com. Back tonight for the second ever edition of On the Road, where we will be running down a seventh show and New York City debut from B.B. King, which was headlined by Austin Aries and in what was his final scheduled indie appearance, John Moxley. I'm Ben Turpin, joined by a man making his return to the Free Admission Podcast Network. You probably know him as P.O.D. Johnny Ringo, but we're breaking k Babe once again. Mark Smith.
1: Mark, thanks so much for coming back on. How are you? I'm doing great, Ben. Thanks so much for having me back. Uh, it was so nice. We had to do it twice, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, and as previously noted, Evolve presented its seventh show and New York City debut earlier this evening, or yes last night, from BB Kings. I, of course, had the pleasure, and it was a pleasure this time around, of watching it on WWE Live. Uh, but Mark, you were there. So tell
1: us a little bit about the crowd, the venue, what was going on. Uh, yeah, I've never been to, uh, BB B. King's. I know that, uh, Dragon Gate USA has run there before and I had watched shows from there and, uh, the very intimate venue, uh, I got there at exactly 8 o'clock and, uh, the first match was going on and I had a little trouble getting my seats because it, it was, it's pretty close in there and, uh, if anybody bought the pay-per-view like Ben did and you'll see that, uh, you know, the crowd is very close together and you can really hear everything that people say and... And that's something that's for the norm of the Evolved Show because you only have about 100, 120 people there. But uh, it can help and it can also hurt at times. But I think it really helped the matches tonight, and the crowd seemed great. You know, they were really into everything. So I can't complain too much.
0: And I think from a production standpoint on the i pay-per-view side, and. I want to preface this by saying if they want to get the production perfect, I think the audio was a tad low, but coming from me, that can't really be a complaint because if there's one thing that I've complained about is that I wish these companies would give priority to the ring noise, crowd noise, rather than commentary. So even though the commentary was a little low to start, uh, I could still understand what was going on. Uh, The crowd and the ring was mic'd tremendously. um, Picture clarity, in my opinion, actually is far superior to go fight lives. So that was a plus. Um, And the commentary was actually covered by Rob Naylor. Uh, I'm a big supporter of Rob. I know you are as well. Uh, Austin Aries covered the first three matches. And then we had Jimmy Jacobs in the booth. You, of course, uh, wouldn't uh, be familiar with this as you were there live, of course. Um, And then I guess getting into the first match, uh, Jimmy Jacobs and Shima Zion. This was the uh, first spoiler match. Um, And I guess, I feel like I'm going to be seeing this a lot tonight. Uh, I thought it was a a fine match, a good match, um, but maybe a little short-changed on time. But at this point, that's how Evolve works. How did you feel about it?
1: Yeah, like I said, I was uh, coming in during this match. Uh, I don't know where they were. I assume they just really got started. Uh, I think, you know, New York City always loves Jimmy Jacobs, and it it blows my mind every time. I, I think that... You know, he's a good worker, and he always reinvents himself, and I always give him credit for that. But uh, it still blows my mind when he gets a good reaction. I think that really hurt uh, Shima Zion coming out. Uh, not so many people got his offense, I don't think. Uh, there were a lot of, like, uh, innovative moves that uh, I don't know if Jacobs didn't know how to take or he didn't sell him properly, but the crowd just kind of didn't know how to, like, uh, adapt to him. Maybe that's because they just never saw him before, but... Um, I thought it was, like you said, it was a good match, uh, short change on time, and uh, I, I, it, again, roll finish is not something that I want to hear, and that's the same thing that I said from the ROH show. Um, they really could have thought of a better finish if they were going to beat Jacobs uh, and get, you know, get Zion over, you know? And it's, it's not like it
0: makes much of a difference because Jacobs is losing quite frequently between Evolve and Dragon Gate USA, at least over the last couple of months, so I don't think another loss uh, or a credible loss with an actual move would have affected Jimmy. I'm actually a big, big supporter of Jima Zion. I agree. I don't. I think the problem is that a lot of people just aren't familiar with him, which is something uh, I have a hard time swallowing. Just because he has been around for a long, long time, he's still fairly young. I mean, he's in his mid, mid, mid twenties, I believe, maybe late, later twenties. And I mean, he's been around for a long time, and I mean, he's had like like, one or two R08 shots, and he's, he's from, like, the PA area, and I just feel like he hasn't branched out enough. I don't know if that's because of personal reasons or if it's just because people don't want to book him, uh, but I'm very excited to see him get, him get a win here. I think it does establish him immediately, at least, at least because he did get a win, um, and I hope to see him in not only Evolve or Dragon Gate USA, but everywhere as soon as possible, as much as possible.
1: Oh, I completely agree. Uh, and before we move on to the next match, I just wanted to uh, know if you uh, if you heard a few of the things that the fans were saying, because uh, first off, I, I believe that maybe few people in the crowd thought that they were actually getting Shima showing up to face Jimmy Jacobs. And when he showed up, people were like, who is this? They, they had no idea. And uh, there was some chance of Derek Bateman. And... Uh, they were browned out really quick. It was very, very short, but I wanted to see if it came across on the uh, on iPay-per-view.
0: I I should I should probably be
1: better to, I mean, I should be able to answer
0: this question better, but I feel like a lot of things you could tell were coming through. I mean, obviously, when you have an intimate setting, and we talked about this just before we came on, you have an intimate setting, you have 120 people there. You're going to be able to hear what every particular person may or may not say, um, and it's going to stand out. Uh, but I didn't really catch a lot of things. Maybe it's because I wasn't paying attention, but I can't say that that came across, uh, at least from my end.
1: Okay, because it was just like a few stupid fans that were just in the back, but I, I was just hoping they didn't come across because it just kind of just irked me a little bit. But yeah, so uh, that's all with that.
0: Tony Nese and Silas Young. Uh, I thought they had a, a fine match. I actually, I haven't, uh, this is the second time I've seen Tony Nese. I saw him on a ball six. Um, I think he... Kind of represents, I mean, he has a good look. He represents that kind of like new breed MMA type indie style that everybody seems to be doing a lot of nowadays. Um, It was pretty short, but I was fine with that. Um, I think you felt it got a little more time, but I think it only got like three,
1: four, five minutes. Um,
0: So I was fine with it. It, it,
1: Yeah, it was a very good match. It felt a little bit longer than that live. Um, That's probably not a good thing. Uh, Tony Mace is a Long Island guy. Uh, I've seen him a few times out of uh, Mikey Whipwreck's Federation, the uh, NYWC. Um, and I'm almost 100% sure he's Trent Barrett, his brother. I, I'm not sure. I believe so, though. And he's great. Every time I've seen him, he, he used to be called Maverick. Uh, he's really, really stepped up his game. And I thought that if... It gave is sign people that I think that in these first two matches that Tony Nese and Shinzai are the first two guys that I would sign because if anybody gets a wind of him, I mean, Silas Young, he keeps, you know, he's very hit or miss and he was definitely on tonight, but I think Tony Nese absolutely though. So. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a fan of Nese. I've seen him twice now. Um,
0: obviously want to see more of him in the future. After this match, and we got this was kind of the start of something or a preview of something that we would get uh, quite frequently over the course of the night. Uh, but Larry Davis and Rebby Sky were at ringside. I think they came out at the beginning of the show, and they set out there for the first three matches and then came back uh, after intermission. Uh, but I think I can safely say that nobody gives a shit about Larry Davis and Rebby Sky other than the things that they maybe want to do to Rebby Sky. Uh, I don't know how you feel about these two.
1: Yeah, you know, it's very touchy subject because um, I think Ruby Sky as a performer is actually very good at what she does. Um, I think that she can draw good heel heat, and I think that Larry Davis, uh, Larry Dallas, I keep wanting to call him that because who he was previously associated with, but Larry Dallas, I think that he really brings down any segment that he's in, and that that goes for later on in the show as well. And him as a character, like there are so many better guys out there who can cut a promo and be in that spot. Reby can stay. That's fine. I understand that she's there for her reasons. You know, she's good. But he—he just got the worst kind of go-away heat that anybody could imagine. So I'm with you. Just drop him, I think, though. And with Larry Davis, um, I actually... He's a good in, in
0: where they use him, like, in Dragon Gate, USA, in Atlanta, and I, I assume they do this in other markets, but they basically just had him out there trying to shill, you know, like, front or second row tickets that maybe they have open. Uh, you know, hey, you can get this second row, and it's going to be on camera side, and you get going to be on camera side, and he's just going up and down the line, you know, before people come in. And But he wasn't on the show at all, uh, or maybe he was. Maybe I'm misremembering. I know Rebby Sky was on the show uh, and got, you know, in like, a catfight or whatever, but I think he's fine in that you know, respective, but as a character, as you said, just complete go away heat. And uh, yeah, there's not one like positive attribute and we'll get into it a little bit later, but I just feel like I don't really understand where it's going. He's been on every Evolve show and it's just like, if there's one thing that I had to get rid of on Evolve shows, he would be it. Uh, the Absolutely. Third, the third match, uh, John Davis, Johnny Gargano was actually the second spoiler match. Uh, this is, I, you know, I'll have to watch it back. I don't know if I ever will watch it back, but I feel like I could watch this back. And this might be, I think, uh, Sammy and Zach Saber's like kind of clear runaway. But if there was something that kind of competed with it, it would be this match. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of this match um, for, for a long time, and maybe it was, you know, due to his ROH run. I just couldn't, you know, have cared less about John Davis, you know. And I guess that's what losing consistently for two years will probably do to somebody, or for my feelings towards somebody. Uh, he had some awesome power moves in this match. He was probably, he would probably, I feel like, and he'd be better to answer this, but he got over, um, which you know, it's I don't I don't think I've ever seen him over at any point, at least in ROH, and that's pretty much where I've seen him the most. And he's been in FIP, and he's actually quite over, I think, in the s- southern like Florida region in that area. But um, Gargano, you know, he's improved tremendously over like the last three or four months. I think that Dragon Gate tour really helped him a lot. Uh, so I really enjoyed this match. Uh, but John Davis was the star of this match, in my opinion, and one of the stars in the night.
1: Oh, big time. Uh, he he really deserves to be brought back. And it, with the promo later on, that he he comes back out for that little touch on. They really, they really got him uh, over. And he got himself over, like you said. Uh, when this match started, uh, Gargano had a lot of fans cheering for him. And I was surprised, because when you have Larry Dallas out there and you're associating yourself with him, Usually, you're going to get booed, and he got a good reception, and the fans were behind him, mostly. Uh, I really don't think a lot of people knew who John Davis was. Uh, There was some Dark City chant, but it was nothing substantial, and uh, nobody really cared for a while until... um, uh, Okay, it was when Gargano stopped being bought as like a babyface in peril. Um, He wasn't selling like, like the, the power moves that you would think that, you know, oh, this should really keep him down for a while. Like, I remember that uh, John Davis hit this, like, lariat, and I was like, that's got to be the end of the match. And Gargano gets pinned 1, 2, and right after the 3, he sits up and starts holding his chin. And, like, sits right up. So I was like, he's not selling. He doesn't look like he's playing the babyface in parallel, even though he's getting cheered. And then it kind of turned, and everybody started saying, okay... It's not Gargano as a baby face. It's John Davis, and all of a sudden, this chant broke out of nowhere. Um, the Fans went nuts, and then the finish, which I thought was great. Uh, I, I like the submission that Gargano is doing—the Gargano escape, which I believe I suggested on Twitter, but that's another story. But uh, I, I love. to a out border city stretch
0: for more comedies or comedy. Yeah, use.
1: right. Yeah, I think that's a great move for him, and it's perfect, as I mentioned, and he's got a lot of depth now, and he's stringing moves together, so yeah, this was a really, really good match, and the finish was very strong, it got Gargano over, and you really believe that Davis had the tap, so uh, I give this two thumbs up big time.
0: Yeah, Davis did did like a two-move combination, and that was like a big near-fall. And then Gargano went into, like, his finishing sequence where he does, like, the three moves, like the the slice spread number two, uh, top rope cutter, super kick, that combination. I felt like the crowd really wasn't behind that near fall, but then I loved the finish. I thought the crowd would have been more behind the finish uh, than they were, um, given, you know, like, the Davis near fall, uh, just, like, less than a minute previously or a minute, minute and a half, two minutes previously. And then uh, when he powered up out of the Border City stretch, I thought it was very impressive. And then right back into it, um, I love the finish. Uh, Really, like I said, I thought John Davis was like
1: one of the stars of the night. Oh, big time. And, you know, with Gargano, like you said, he's improved so much. And, I mean, I'm, I'm so happy for him because he used to get, like in the beginning of Evolve, he was up there with Chris Dickinson as go away, like we do not want you here. And he really turned himself around. And uh, uh, the one thing I want to say, though, uh, my major pet peeve now with indie wrestling is the kneeling superkick. It's basically being used uh, twice a night in different, at least in every show. And I I can remember when I saw it with Tyler Black, I thought it was cool. But now it's kind of like, okay, we need a a cool move for a guy who's like around six feet, about 180 pounds. What do we do? A kneeling superkick. And, you know, you equate it to
0: Tyler Black, and it was like, even before he left, Roderick Strong started doing it. And that stuck out to me. I uh, definitely agree. And it's something that I've noticed, actually, for a long time now. On.
1: Yeah, but we'll get a little off uh, topic here. Um, sure. you don't yeah, mind, we're... I'm just going to go on. No, all right, you go ahead. Uh, you, you, you're the host of the show here. <laughs> well, they did more stuff with
0: Larry Dallas, at which point Austin Aries left the commentary booth and said he didn't want to hear what Larry Dallas had to say. Um, I think their awesome. name is the A-list, or Johnny Gargano's like the A-list of his little group there. Um, yeah, like that's the that's nickname they were giving him. Okay, I I didn't pay attention to any time these these people were on the screen. Larry Dallas and and Rebe Sky. Um, so if you want to enlighten us on what actually was happening at this point uh, with these people, you can fill us in. Okay, well this was when uh, Chuck Taylor came out too, right? Uh, this I was. I don't think so. No, that was after the match. He, he didn't come out until the match, I believe. I could be wrong, of course.
1: Well, because uh, I, I seem to remember when they came out, and then uh, Larry Legend said, well, you know, now you've won your match, but if Chuck Taylor wins his match later, then you're going to have to have the playoff. Okay, and then Larry's standing
0: said, out there. I I'm, I'm not sure, though.
1: All right. Uh, anyway, then Larry Dallas at the mic and said, no, there's no way. Uh, if I have two wind leaders, I double my profit. And then... Chuck Taylor came out. They did a little, like, stare down, I believe, and then they, they all walked to the back together. And uh, really, I mean, I get what they're trying to do, and it makes sense with what happened later on, and I guess we can explain it then. So we'll, we'll get it to it later on. Yeah, and at this point, I was just
0: glad to see them leave. I thought that would be the end of them for the night, but I guess I didn't pay, pay attention close enough because uh, they were previewing something that would happen uh, later, as you just mentioned, and we'll get to that in a minute uh but the side and jason gory against frightmare and jigsaw i'm probably one of the biggest Facide supporters out there he just have a tendency to take high risk and that's exactly what uh what that means when you fall on your face sometimes but uh i feel like i feel like there's an element missing from certain other indies and have been for a while and still are you know, where a guy like Facide is like really fits in um and i think him and jason gory i thought they had unique looks uh I've never seen Jason Gordon before, but like I said, I'm a big science supporter. Uh, and you can talk about this match. Uh,
1: when they came out, uh, nobody really knew who they were. And that, that wasn't a shock. I, I really haven't seen anything from them. And all I knew was that Jigsaw and Frightmare were coming out. And that's all that New York City really cared about. Um, I don't know how it came over, but this is one of the loudest, uh, the loudest pops of the night when they came out. Um, basically, you know, everybody gave them a shot. Uh, I think that what hurt them the most, this being Sasad, I, I think that uh, how it, it's pronounced, I'm not sure. And Jason Gory, uh, I think that Jigsaw and Frightmare got too much offense too early, because it was obvious they were going to be the face team. And for anybody to care about, uh, you know, the team that's not Jigsaw and Frightmare, they should have had, a, you know, a good stretch of time where he started to do the walking across the ropes and stuff, and uh, all the kip up spots. And I thought they did real well. Did they secure a spot? Probably not. Um, Jigsaw and Friday looked good. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, what did you think about it? I mean, for, you know, a six minute sprint with a lot of spots, I thought
0: it was really fun. And probably six minutes under rating is probably, what, like, like 10 minutes? But uh, a lot of spots. I- I'm a fan of big spot. a lot of spots. That's why I watch indie wrestling. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of facade. Uh, I agree. I mean, you know, standard logic in a wrestling match would say that it should have been the opposite, uh, depending on your heel face dynamics. But, uh, I mean, I thought it was a fun match and, you know, I mean, I hope the comes back. I, like I said, I'm not familiar with Jason Gorey at all, but the is, you know, a guy that, uh, like I said, a huge supporter of, and, uh, you know, with evolve, I don't know. He, I don't know. He's a unique personality. That's, I guess what I wanted to say. And, uh, they, uh, I guess Frightmare and Jigsaw are 3-0 and now. I don't know how that has any relevance because they show up like every other evolved show and there's like no other tag teams.
1: And they don't even have a singles belt. So why are the tag teams competing? So what's the point, you know? Right. We can get to that at the end of the show. Maybe we'll discuss that for a little bit too because that's something I'm going to be a little griped about.
0: Yeah, sure. Um... The, and then what I thought was probably the match of the night, easily the match of the night, actually. Uh, Zach Faber Jr., Sammy Callahan. Uh, I should have previously mentioned, maybe I did, but uh, Naylor was joined in commentary by Jimmy Jacobs in the previous match, uh, so that's what we have for the rest of the evening. Um, Naylor also had a Tony from Skins reference, which I don't know if, if a lot of people get that, uh, UK-based drama. And for those of you unaware, I think me and Naylor could start a podcast based strictly on current and past uh, teenage dramas, and uh, we would never run out of things to talk about. But, uh, like, if this was great. Um, I, got, I got my one-count uh, one no-sale after, you know, a big series of moves, which is, like, I think that's actually getting overused now because I've seen that, like, four times in the last, I don't know, month. Um, the only, and this is, like, a stupid gripe, but uh, I hate the deverific consecutive pinfall roll-through spot that they did in this match, and anybody yeah. who ever does it. I hate that with a passion, but other than that, I mean, it was a fantastic match. You can talk about it.
1: Yeah, that's uh, when they came out and they started. When he came out with that kick, uh, Zach Sabre Junior. I knew that the shit was on, and everybody knew it was legit. Yeah. When he came out, I mean, he doesn't look imposing at all. And like you said, Tony from the Skin—that's exactly what he looks like. And I mean, honestly, uh, when him and Sammy started ch- like trading shots and going back and forth, the people were, like, legit, like, on the edge of their seats what, waiting for one of these guys to, like, fall down dead. Um, I hate that roll up spot no matter where it is. I think it looks so hokey. Like, let me leave my legs in the air so you can grab them and then I'll push your head through. It's the same every time. And it, it really hurt the match. The fans died right there. And, I, yeah, like you, I'm a big fan guy. Like, I, I really, like, enjoy when I see something cool and the people around me realize it's cool as well. And the finishing sequence was so sick. I mean, it, it, it really like summed up the whole match. and brought everybody back into it. And, uh, one of the things that I really remember, like, like uh, the entire crowd gasped when Zach Faber stood up and did the step over to get out of the stretch muffler, like nobody knew what he was doing. And when he got out, people were like, Oh my God, like maybe he can win. And it, I mean, the match was structured perfect. And I mean, Zack Saber is unbelievable. I've seen him in only a handful of matches, but oh man, he is—he's great. And Sammy Callahan is—he's always good. I, I, I'm a big fan of Sammy. Yeah, this is the best the crowd was online, I thought. And As far as Zack Saber goes, it's going to be
0: good when. And I haven't seen—I haven't seen him in WXW, and I assume that uh, some of the matches he had there were like out of this world. But uh, I feel like, at least in the U.S., he hasn't. You know, he hasn't been in front of, like, a actual crowd that's going to react. Like, a real good crowd, or at least for, like, a U.S. indie standards, like an ROH, like, New York City crowd, which I think he's going to be on that June 26th show. I really hope he is. And then that uh, Marty's school. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, and to see him shine in, in that, like, realm on, in U.S. Indies is going to be phenomenal. But, uh, yeah, the guy, him and Marty, I think, are fantastic as a tag team or singles guys. And uh, I I don't know how long their stay is in the U.S. I hope it's uh, you know something like Tazawa's, or at least you know he can come back uh, quite frequently. But uh, after this match, uh, Sammy Callahan said it was the year of 2011 to be the year of Sammy Callahan, Uh, and it has has, sorry, it has actually been quite the year for Sammy so far. And you're a big fan of him. I I've grown to really like Sammy, uh, at least from where I saw him two years ago. Uh, you can talk about the year he's had so far. It's actually been quite impressive.
1: Well, Sammy, I mean, I wish that he would get a spot in ROH again, because I thought that some of his better matches were during that time when he was getting tryouts and Dayton and such. Um, He's a guy that it's hard to say though, because he he really is like a niche wrestler. Like he does some really sick stuff in TVW and, I mean, the gash on the back of his neck from, uh, I believe it was cage of death. I could be wrong, but I mean, that was down to his spine. And like the guy takes so much risk, but he can wrestle. He's so, he, he can do anything that you ask him to do. And he's so believable as like, a legit crazy guy. And I i would love to follow him more as I do. I, I hate to say it. I'm really more of uh, an ROH, you know, evolved dragon gate, you guy. So I really don't get into the c z w as much as I should. And, uh, the rest of the Midwest, Indies and stuff, because I would love to check him out more, but uh, he's a guy who deserves a spot on the roster immediately. He's he's always been something, someone that I think is unique. That That's something he has, for sure.
0: And, I mean, one of his biggest mainstays in CCW and working in that uh, ECW arena, the Asylum, whatever they're calling it this week, that's a real downer for me. I don't know how you feel, but I don't want to get too off base in, in that context, but...
1: Yeah, the, the, the CZW crowd sucks. We can move on now.
0: Yeah. Uh, at this point, we went to intermission. I thought we were going to get some footage of the Jeff Peterson Memorial Cup from 2010, which would have popped me tremendously because that's yet to been released on DVD. But uh, that wouldn't be the case. Instead, we would get Salonaro and Larry Sweeney, uh, which was from the 2008 Jeff Peterson uh, Memorial Cup, I believe. It was actually the longest match on the IP pay per view um, I, I didn't pay attention, but it lasted like the whole intermission, which it was at least 20 minutes.
1: Right.
0: Uh, I also want to take uh, you know we're at intermission I wanted to mention something that was uh, they did a poll on the uh, EvolveWrestling.com website I believe it's Evolve Wrestling for the title of the show I think it was it was between Aries and Moxley or Taylor and Tozawa and I looked two days before they announced it and Taylor Tozawa was leading 70 to 30 percent so you know that Gabe does this quite frequently uh, where things you know like he asked the people or does a poll and like the opposite happens of what the people actually want. Uh, but it does make sense that uh, Aries Moxley was on last given what played out uh, later in the night. I don't know how you feel about that. That's one of Gabe's things that he's uh, kind of used on the internet lately.
1: Yeah, I-, I think the poll thing is just a bunch of garbage. Um, I, I give Gabe the benefit of the doubt because he gave me a lot of great shows that like i will never forget. And I- I'll always support what he does just to see what he does. But I really, really, really feel that like he overextends himself at times, you know, and I think he thinks outside of his own head and he tries to I wanna say that he tries to emulate what he thinks Paul Heyman would do, but I think that he overthinks what he should do. I think that he, he's like, Oh, well, the fans want Taylor Ntizawa. The, the gut call is to make it Moxley and Aries, but you know what? I'll add a little oomph into it and just put Taylor to for 10 minutes, which that match should have gone on for much longer than it did. And I can understand it taking away from Aries Moxley, but the way that that finished, like you really were going to take away from that. Like everybody left there kind of like the best thing they saw from that match was Moxley's speech after. So, I mean, what does that say for it? You know, it, nobody really remember what happened. It. it it, it's a weird way, but that's just something he does. So.
0: We got more Larry Dallas who came out. We got a John Davis promo. This was actually pretty good. He didn't really say a lot. He said it had been a rough year and he let the fans down. Uh, I don't know how this got over live, but he seemed to be over, at least from his uh, previous
1: performance. Yeah, he said he was happy that the fans chanted his name and that he, you know he it was really touching to him. And they chanted his name again and... It, was, it seemed really heartfelt, and you know that's what this is all about, is the guys who come out there who don't really have promo skills, but they just talk from as themselves from the heart, and he wasn't out there trying to be a tough guy. He, he was out there being himself, and it worked. And I think if he comes back to New York City, which I think Evolve should probably book New York City again, and just make it Union City, New York City, and, and one other, because it, it's a niche product and you really have to start building a core fan base. And then we got Air Fox, Rich Juan,
0: um, the whole fucking show, as Larry Legend call him. Uh, the Air Foxing Fox, show. The whole Foxing show, sorry, wow. Uh, <laughs> Air Fox, training of Mr. Hughes, actually. Um, at one point in the match, uh, when Air Fox, I mean, this was a really awesome, I'll let you talk about it, like the athleticism here was just, Wow, I thought. Um, Air, uh, Air Fox did that where he runs up and then, like, did an ace crusher in the ring and Jimmy Jacobs, very self-deprecating. That's way cooler than my ace crusher. And then, like, Rob Naylor was marking out so much that he just, like, totally ignored him. Uh, but uh, I thought this was
1: uh, great for, you know, what it was supposed to be. It was what exactly it should be coming back from intermission. Like, like the guy, everybody was like, oh, it's on now because these two guys can fly. And then from the beginning, they didn't lock up. They just did what they do best because they didn't try to do arm bars and stuff like that. It was uh, all flips and dies. Um, uh, It was great. Uh, I think Rich was he's going to be the unsung hero this match because he's he's really impressive. I mean, for his detractors, I think he looks great every time he's out there. Uh, He needs to figure out what he's doing with that jumping uh, 450 because most of the time he hits a guy's legs and it ends up with his Base getting busted up, but uh, AR Fox is—he's he, a rising star, and Gabe signing him is is very big. I mean, he, I would love to see him featured more, and uh, the crowd is really hot coming off of this for damn sure.
0: Yeah, and I mean, AR Fox you was know, a guy that got signed, and I was—I've been a big supporter of AR Fox for a long time, and you know, you showcase him in these—you know—in Dragon Gate USA, he's obviously going to be in these six ways, and then here, you know, he's in a match with Rich Juan, you know, uh, very comparable styles. I feel like with Evolve, and this is probably going way too off, but with Evolve and Dragon Gate USA, they just don't run that often enough to where, I don't know, like, these guys can still get over, and I mean, it should be a, a special event when these things do happen because they do happen so infrequently, but I feel like maybe I don't see them enough so they're not getting established, uh, and then like when with AR Fox, you know, he shows up and does some spots, you know, and that's cool, but... I don't know if it works for me. I don't know. It's weird.
1: Yeah, well, that's how it is. Because, you know, with Evolve, if Gabe uh, can't book a guy the next week or the next two months or whenever the next show is, he just says, well, he slapped a guy in the face, so there's a suspension. So, the booking is very, very who's around, when can I get a date, you know. One reason the B.B. Kings was done, I mean, this is a, a quote-unquote test, but this is the only uh, day that they could have run the show. So, I mean, that's why they ran it. And... Was a success? I couldn't tell you. I don't know how many people we expected especially on a Tuesday, but maybe for building eye ipay audience, it was.
0: No, we'll see. Then we had um, probably the match that uh, I was looking forward to most coming into the show, Kira Tozawa and Chuck Taylor. Um Tozawa was always one of the guys that I'm most looking forward to on any show that uh, he may be performing on, but uh, this was the third and final, final spoiler match. It was good. It only got 10 minutes. Um, this is kind of, this match, and I'm really not a fan of, and I should say that this is really, in my opinion, when the show took kind of a nosedive, um, and it started with this match, it got 10 minutes, like I said, Tazawa, Chuck Taylor got the win with the Awful Waffle, a very devastating one at that, uh, I don't want to, like, overlook the match because for 10 minutes, I thought it was as good as, is pretty much you're going to get, I wish they would have gotten more time, what we got in the main event, you know, I wish it would have gotten more time for that reason as well, and the fans maybe would have had a better taste in their mouth as they left the place, because I know you didn't particularly have the best one uh, after this angle. But uh, so Taylor wins. Uh, and for those of you unaware, on Evolve Wrestling, they announced they would do a playoff, and it was between Jimmy Jacobs, Johnny Gargano, and Chuck Taylor. And it could be it could have been a three-way, because obviously Jimmy Jacobs lost. Chuck Taylor and Johnny Gargano both won their matches. So we got an immediate playoff uh, Mike Keener gets on the mic and announces Gargano Taylor is a playoff. And before I get ahead of myself, go
1: ahead and talk about the match itself first. Well, yeah, like you, I was really anticipating this because uh, I love Chuck Taylor, and Ch- uh, yeah, with Chuck, I mean, he's another guy that I think if he really applied himself, that he could be he could be one of the better stars just because of the personality and his facial. And, you know, he's improved in the ring so much. He's great. And Akira Tozawa is just phenomenal. Uh, The fans are really behind Tozawa, and Chuck didn't get as much of a response. But uh, it seemed like for the first five minutes, it was like uh, Tozawa was leading Chuck through the match, and they were going back and forth. And when it came time for Taylor's comeback, and they started doing the trading dives, the fans got really into it. Like, they were really, like, on edge of their seat for both guys. And uh, the Awful Waffle, I mean, uh, he killed them with it. It was a ricochet-style bump where he splits his legs open so it legit looks like he just got dropped on his head. And uh, it was great. I wish it got more time. I'm praying that PWG does it for, you know, we can get 20 minutes out of it because if this had more time and the fans were just getting into it and then it was over. And, I mean, it, it was good for Chuck. He got a win. But the stuff that came after was was just ridiculous. So it really didn't do much for Tozawa in his evolved debut. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought it basically made him an afterthought. Like, it, it didn't even matter that he was there at all. He loses, even though everybody loves him. I feel like his indie run has kind of been that way, even though the U.S. independent fans have pretty much made Akira Tozawa like probably probably the most over guy wherever he may be. Um but like he always loses in Dragon Gate USA, he all, he lost here. He always loses in PWG, and we can. And I don't want to talk about PWG, but everybody feels that you know him and Steen should have won DDT Four, or at least you know competed there, and definitely not the Young Bucks. But like I said, I want to get off into that. Anyways, what happened after this match? Uh, Mike Keener gets on the mic and announces Gargano and Taylor will have a playoff for the wins leader. Uh, like and like I said, it was announced today on the Evolve site. Uh, Larry Dallas get in the, gets in the ring, and apparently there's something between these uh, three and Rebby Sky. Uh, maybe you'd be better to explain it, because I'm sure you paid more attention.
1: Um, well, they what Larry Dallas was doing is he built up this uh, the A list was what he was called, and then after the match, Johnny Gargano was called the A list, Johnny Gargano. But uh, it, it, him, Chuck Taylor, uh, are like their investment. And the whole idea is that Taylor and Gargano are getting money from Larry Dallas. So he's a money mark basically is what the gimmick is. And so I don't know like if there's anything beyond that with those, those four. And when people got in the ring, it just really brings Taylor and Gargano down to be associated with those two. And when, they said that okay, well, it's going to happen after the next match. I'm going well. All that's left is Aries and Moxley, so it's going to be the main event. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and then Taylor was like, no, you know, we're going to do it right now. And Larry Dallas was like, oh no, we're not. And then the match started right away, and the fans were into it from the beginning. Like they they didn't expect it to happen, which is why, I guess, it got over at the beginning, but. Um, I thought it was a good sprint, too. I mean, I really thought they did well. Uh, they sold the near falls really well. Uh, Gargallo needed to ditch the uh, Hertz and Donut, though. That, that move is just awful. So uh, I didn't buy that as a finish at all. Um, and by having Taylor lose, you, you put even more of an unimportant on Suzawa, who you, nobody would even remember now. Everybody's saying, oh, you screwed Chuck. That was the chant. You screwed Chuck. And uh, that's the set that was a, uh, an absolute star, and they beat him all over the place. Oh, that's the idea.
0: Of course. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, like I said, I mean, I could personally care less about all this stuff going on here, but in uh, the wins leader and that sort of thing, um, uh, I think the finish was, like, Larry Dallas threw the towel in, but then he made it
1: look like Rebby Sky did. So, like, uh, Chuck Taylor, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, he gave the he pulled the towel out of somewhere uh, I couldn't see because it was below the the ring. But um, he pulled the towel out and he handed it to Rebby Then she walked across all the way around the ring to where I was sitting, and while the the no escape was uh, the Gargan no escape was on, they rolled through into the middle of the ring, and then she threw the towel onto Chuck and Johnny, and the the match ended. And uh. Right after that, he started saying, no, that's not what I wanted. And he pushed her and this, that, the other thing. And there was all this dissension. Uh, it just fell flat. It really fell flat. I-, I think that they're trying to get Gargano over his heel and make Chuck the, the uber baby face. But it-, it it just wasn't the right thing to do. Like I, I don't think half the crowd bought it.
0: Then in, in our main event, or the main event of Evolve Seven, uh, the show is named after John Moxley in his final, or I guess his, uh, what is being billed is his final indie appearance against Austin Aries. Uh, the match itself, you know, it got 15 minutes. It was good. I actually probably would have expected it to get more time. And you know, with Evolve, and this could break down into a discussion. But um, with Evolve and the concept, you know, I can really appreciate when. Certain, You know, when you pace the show well, you want to get it over in a timely manner. It's easy to sit through, but then some things are going to get shortchanged on time. But at this point, like I said earlier, I've come to expect that with Evolve, so I'm okay with that. Uh, like I said, it was a good match. It was pretty much like every send-off match, I feel like it, it was okay, but it's like nothing that, you know, I'm ever going to remember from the match standpoint Uh at one point, uh, John, John Moxley brings in a wrench like he's going to use it. He questions himself. He ultimately doesn't. Uh, they did some dives. And like, like every send off match or final type matches, it ends very
1: abruptly and flat with some sort of weird roll up. All the time. And it, it, that's exactly how the crowd felt because they were going at it, excuse me, they were going at it, and it seemed like. You know, this is going to be one of those things that Ares is going to kill him. He's going to put, he's going to do a double brain buster and then lock him in the, the horns of Ares or uh, the last chancery, I think he calls it, and that'll be it. And people were waiting for it, and when the roll-up happened, after that stuff with Gargano and Taylor, they, they really weren't looking forward to it, and as soon as the match was over, they're like, okay, well, Moxie's leaving now, and that's not the way it should have been. It should have been, well, that was a good match to go out on. And it was a good match, but it was a flat finish, and uh, I-, I can't tell you how much I hate the roll-up finish. I, I think it really just damages everything, and uh, the-, the match does nothing for Aries except put him at 2-0, and and that's nothing, you know?
0: So John Moxley, it looks like his indie run, at least for the time being, has come to an end. Uh, he's a guy that I feel like he was always kind of underutilized because I feel like there's a lot of potential there. He's obviously a good talker. He's kind of got a unique thing going on for him, but he was never in the right place at the right time to kind of, you know, accentuate those positives or those unique things about him in, in the best manner. And I feel like really, which is unfortunate, like the last, and I mean, it got him to the WWE or got him a developmental deal, so good for him. But the last year and a half, two years that he's been kind of, doing whatever he's doing in Dragon Gate USA, it was kind of a waste of time, uh, but maybe that's not putting it the right way out. How do you feel about
1: Moxley? Uh, I think John has really stepped it up, and, I mean, he's he's a great wrestler, and nobody gets to see it when he does the CCW stuff, and when he tries to wrestle in front of the crowd, nobody buys it. And I thought that him coming into Evolve, they'd switch it up, and they'd say, okay, we're going to give him just straight wrestling matches, but they did the thing with Brody Lee originally where they brought in the chair and he had to bring the wrench in today. And the thing with homicide, you know, the thing that gets me is that in the pre-match promos, he said, when I want to win a match, I'll win a match and I don't need anything else. I'll play by the rules. And he goes for a wrench. And I understand that he's conflicted and all that other stuff, but like it's his last match. Just drop it. Just let them wrestle. If you're going to give them 15 minutes, you know. And Moxley's more than capable, and Aries is more than capable. And I think that Aries is. Uh, I mean, Moxley's promo is going to be something that hopefully gives him a an edge on the people that he's going to be training with in FCW, as well as he doesn't say fuck, because he said fuck a lot, a lot tonight. That's for sure.
0: The locker room cleared, or I should say, Jigsaw, Rich Schwan, Air Fox, Sammy's ex probably for a few others. They drink some beers. They drink some more. Um, Sammy puts over Moxley at one point. crowd seemed like a pretty genuine moment. It didn't really translate too well to uh, or through the pay per view I should say.
1: Yeah, I, I was afraid it wouldn't. Um, the crowd was silent for him and letting him talk, which was always nice. It uh, felt heartfelt, which is always good. Uh, it's very weird because... For some reason, going into it, I I felt like this was some sort of Gabe Swerve where he wouldn't be signing with WWE and then saying it was his last, you know, independent match, you know, whatever. And I I just had a feeling, but then when, like, it was actually going through, I was like, wow, he's actually gone. And I think that's how it kind of felt for a lot of people there, was like, okay, he just had this match, he lost by roll-up, and all these guys are out here giving him beers. I guess he's really leaving. And uh, more power to him. I hope that you know that he gets a, a fair shake up there because he's exactly what they look for. He, he's got the size and he can wrestle and he can talk. So uh, let, let's hope that he, he does well. I mean, we'll see. Now, before we finish up or wrap up, uh, I
0: did something that we haven't discussed, uh, or I haven't discussed with you: is what exactly you're feeling on the Evolve concept and just the product in general.
1: Right. Well, that also relates to what I want to talk about with uh, a championship. Um, I think the product, like you said, you, you, you adapt and you say, this is what I'm going to get from the Evolve show. And I think that it gives them a little bit of a break when you're reviewing it because you go, well, the match was 10 minutes, but that's what Evolve does. So for the 10 minutes, it was good. But I don't know that they can sustain this whole wind leader thing as being something that people can strive for because it, I understand it's an MMA concept, but they have titles too. And at the end of the day, you need a guy to be on top saying, look what I had, don't you want this? Not just saying, I have the number six. And I, I think it really hurts the promotion that there's nothing there that shows that somebody's clearly on top and has been established that way. And that's what I also don't like about the booking. When it comes to, we can get these amount of guys at this show and we'll just throw them together and call them, uh, spoiler matches or a special challenge matches or, you know, fight for the top or whatever. And it's just basically like when Chuck lost to Mike Quackenbush, nothing came of that. Quackenbush hasn't been booked since. And it's like, why would she even bother? It didn't help Taylor at all the lose. I believe Quackenbush even kicked out of, uh, oh, actually, maybe not. Maybe that was what Eddie king of trios. But either way, like, it, they've done a lot of silly things and it doesn't make sense to me. So I think that if you have long-term goals, you keep it on pay per view for every show, because you run like every two months anyway, you keep it in three markets, and you have to get a title or a tournament going to, to give a trophy or, or something, you know, something to strive for. I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, you know? Well, I mean, I agree completely as far as the concept
0: itself. It's Me, like, those types of things don't particularly bother me as much as When I, you know, is it something that I want to buy? You know, because that's what I feel like the niche audience kind of is. Like the ROH is, you know, know, ROH, PWG, put on these great super shows. Or, and maybe this is just something because, you know, I was a big supporter of Gabe and ROH and I constantly got what I wanted. But when I see, you know, when I talked about it a little bit before, when I see a match like Akira Tozawa and Chuck Taylor on a card, and it only gets 10 minutes, and like I said, I've come to accept that I'm going to get from Evolve. But at the same time, is that something that I would want to buy? You know, I can't say that it particularly is. I did buy, the obviously, the Internet pay-per-view. The live element does add something. It's only $15. Um, but I guess that's my that's my question to you. You know, like, when Evolve started, you know, it's a DVD product, the World Wrestling Network, Dragon Gate USA, all these things. When you run them as super shows and you only run it once every two months, that's what they are. And people are supposed to buy the DVDs. That's the idea. And I can't Imagine when they first started two years ago, you know, after our wage, that the idea was, oh, we're going to be on Internet pay-per-view. Because I don't even think at that point that was really thought of at that point. I could be wrong, but at least at that time, you know. Um, so how do you feel about, you know, that,
1: like, idea? Um, you see, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I don't think that they had any clue when they started the business, uh, started Evolve where it was going to head and I think that they had better plans that more people would jump on board and kind of attach themselves to Gabe not for the fact that uh, it's Gabe but that he was doing something that was different and at that time Pierce really wasn't booking the best you know like it, it was just turning around then and I think he was hoping that if he could keep like Baby Richards and the young bucks in that circle of Dragon Gate that it would be, you know, a, a, like a, an edge up on ROH. And I think that when you have these fans that are going to be watching the Vault show, the Dragon Gate show, the Ring of Honor show, they're going to be buying the PWG uh, DVDs, they've probably already bought King of Trios, that you have to, if you're going to book a super show, like we've called it, it has to be a super show, and you have to have a set roster. Like, they got to win over Tyler O'Reilly for Bobby Fish, and I know he's in Japan now, but, like, and they had to get Kyle O'Reilly out, and same with Adam Cole. But, like, it really hurts that you go from Bobby Fish having, I, I can't win a match no matter what I do. I, I finally win a match, but you know what? I, I got Japan where I'm getting paid. Like, it doesn't, you know, it, it, it really doesn't translate. So, yeah, maybe I'm nitpicking here, but I think that the whole product as a core is a good idea. But he has to stop thinking that 10 minute matches running for a two hour show. Is going to keep the interest of people when you have a fifteen-minute in, intermission too, because if, if people aren't going to buy an hour and forty-five minutes of wrestling, especially when Larry Dallas is over probably ten minutes of it. So, right. I mean, and,
0: like I said, I mean, I can appreciate that idea, but maybe that's just personally what I that I don't want from wrestling, or I'm putting in what I do want in the fact that I do want to see a or I do want to see Tazawan and Taylor go twenty minutes instead of ten minutes. Um, even though I can sit through it and watch it and it's a lot easier, I don't know, maybe there's just an element of me that's disappointed and I feel like, you know, you can get through the undercard quick, that's fine, but when you get to, you know, like your sub-main event, I don't know, and it just gets 10 minutes and I was looking forward to it more than anything else on the show, but I feel like I'm just repeating myself at this point, uh, but... No,
1: you, you definitely have a point, because I, I just went online and checked what the uh, the showtime is, and it says that they were supposed to be streaming until 11 o'clock, and I know for a fact that when Chuck Taylor and the Curious Owl came on, that it was, be- uh, I'm pretty sure it was before 10, and I'm going, this is going to get like 20, 25 minutes, it's going to be awesome, and then it was over. And, and it just was like, wow, you know, I expected more, but, you know, maybe that's silly us for expecting 20-minute matches, but I, I think that it's going to hurt them in the end, and He's gonna to have to revert to it soon enough. I mean, I believe that Davey and uh Koda Ibushi had like a twenty, twenty five minute match on the first show. Like whatever happened, so you know.
0: Yep. And I mean I believe the show ended at ten forty. So with intermission and intermission seemed quite long. I thought the Larry Sweeney I mean, I didn't sit here and watch the Larry Sweeney uh Sal Renato match, but they were quite uh they were quite beat, uh, at the point that I came in and um So, I mean, I assume it was at least a 20, 25 minute intermission. And then like you said, with the Larry Dallas stuff, I mean, on DVD,
1: this show could easily be under two hours. Exactly. And it won't be out for another three months at the, at the latest. So, I mean, if they're really banking on the eye pay-per-view, then I think it's time to move there permanently and video on demand as we have discussed and just scrap the whole physical copy because it takes too long for a turnaround and, if the process is anything like they discussed uh, with the interview with Alvarez, then uh, it, it's really unnecessary. Well, Mark, do you have anything else for us before we leave? Uh, no, I think we pretty much touched everything. Uh, I think the show was you know, overall good. I had a really nice time there. Uh, the crowd was into a lot of stuff, but I mean, a lot of the finishes, and especially the last well, three matches with Taylor and Gargano uh, – Really left a sour taste. Uh, if they book New York City, I'll probably attend again. So uh, I don't know. It was a good show, though. It was it was fine for an evolved event. So uh, I hope everybody who bought an iPay view you know, enjoyed it too. Well, Mark, we hope to have you back on
0: as soon as possible again. Um, I'm not really sure if, as far as our schedule. I know we're going to do an ECWA show coming up. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be a part of that. If you'd be interested in that, we can talk about that later. Uh, freeadmissionfr.com is the site you can follow us on twitter at freeadmissionfr until next time we we'll to you